broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Midtown Business Radio. Hey, what's up, everyone? It is CW. Thank you for checking out the Midtown Business Radio show. On this week's episode, we're continuing our series with top right partners, Chief Operating Officer and Managing Partner Bill Fasig sitting in with us today. Glad to have him here. And joining us from CEB, the best practice insights and technology company, is the Chief Marketing Officer, Rob Chin, sitting in with me. Nice to have you. Thank you for having me. For the folks who aren't familiar, introduce us to what CEB's services are all about. Sure, sure. We're an information services and technology company based in Arlington, Virginia. We are about a roughly about a billion-dollar public company. Are there particular facets of the businesses that you work with that you focus on regarding the best practices and insights that you provide to your customers? Sure. Yeah, the information services that we largely sell are focused around uh, functional uh, research to help executives in all the different areas be better. Best practice research, essentially. So helping CMOs, CFOs, CIOs across all the functional areas in the organization. And where does that sort of, when you do your research, I mean, what are you looking for, for for sourcing to be able to advise other executives around the community about how they should be going about yeah, stuff? Yeah, well, you know, our model is pretty unique in the sense that we're the original crowdsourcing company, right? At the end of the day, we get our insights from the executives themselves. So when, when a company signs up and becomes a member, we work with those members um, who are executives in all the different functional areas. And through our interactions with them and through the work that we do with them, we actually uncover insights that we curate and that we in turn include in the products that they're buying. You, you talk about them as members. I think that's an interesting. So they're going to be involved with you over time, obviously. I mean, this is a relationship that you're going to more or less be part of their organization in a way. That's generally the case, actually. We found that, um, in fact, in, in numerous cases, we've had executives that have been members with us across multiple companies throughout the course of their career, as they've grown and gotten promoted through the ranks, they've worked with us in different contexts. And that's that's a big part of part of the, the secret formula of how CEB works. Now, are there particular industries or verticals that you serve more than others? What's the typical client you know, look we're, like? We're pretty industry agnostic, actually. That's one of the, the values of best practice insights is oftentimes what we're finding is that, you know, what's a problem in financial services might be equally a problem in automotive or manufacturing. Um, and so oftentimes what we're finding is that the best practices go from one place to another pretty readily. They're very portable. As the company has been working with all these businesses over the years, have there been some common problem points that you see kind of being consistent across organizations when they come in in terms of trying to achieve either new efficiencies or issues that you might be able to help them out with? Yeah, you know, in almost every functional area, we have a bit of a, a, a model that we characterize as a functional maturity model. And so we'll usually start by working with the different organizations and go through what we call a bit of a diagnostic to help them understand where they are in that maturity trajectory, you know, and speaking of marketing, we went through a bit of it ourselves when I joined and was looking at our marketing organization. That's no different than what executives in every function have to do generally. And so thinking about where they are in the maturity curve, how they can improve and adopt better practices, best practices, how they can actually um, uh, be more effective in how they work uh, is a very important part of how we actually help organizations. You know, to answer the other part of your question, we typically work with uh, a uh, everyone from large enterprises to mid-market companies. 
in the large enterprise, uh, we're really a, a trusted resource. So today we work with really a very large um, percentage of the Fortune 1000 type companies and equally so in uh, uh, international uh, markets as well. I know CEB brings expertise across basically the entire enterprise, but are there some areas of particular focus that are worth mentioning? We're in particular quite known for our uh, capabilities in the HR function, in part because a big part of the CEB's business over the recent years is we've expanded into talent management, which is a series of technology-based offerings that augment our best practice insights for HR. Think of it, CW, as all the various front office capabilities um, for HR. So helping you do uh, assessments as you're looking to hire new employees, um, pre-hire assessments, or as you're looking to develop the people that you've already hired, post-hire assessments for leadership development. Those are some of the things that, that we actually offer. HR, like a lot of the functions, is really benefiting from the influx of a lot of new technological capabilities. So being able to do mobile assessments, right? Deploy an assessment that's not using paper and pencil, but through mobile devices makes it easier to hire people on the fly and find different ways to engage with a new generation of, of folks who are used to working with technology in every facet of their lives. I know the company's been around a while. Talk about how things have evolved over time. We've really evolved quite a bit. I mean, CV started really one function at a time, right? Starting with um, HR was one of our earliest functional areas, but branching into things like sales, marketing, legal, finance, all the different functional areas, really one function at a time, the same kind of model, um, but working with the different groups of executives and building that report, developing the best practices, and really over time, uh, you know, continue to broaden our capabilities. And now in HR, as I said earlier, of, of in recent years, having extended beyond just insight into the ability to implement technologies that complement those insights, insight to action, if you will. Yeah, that's a nice segue. I know that Top Right Partners, Bill, uses insights to then help guide actions that will help businesses transform themselves and the story that they're sharing with both external and internal clients. Talk about that. I've known you know, Rob for a number of years now and, and, and have been fortunate to work with him as a client over the past few years as well. And as you know, uh, CW and Rob knows, you know, for Top Right, we would talk a lot about, we, we talk a lot about, we are the transformational marketing as a discipline, as a, as a company. And it's very relevant to this conversation because the difference among others, one of the differences between transformational marketing and what we'd call transactional marketing is transactional marketing is really the customer is kind of a number and you just turn up the volume right. loud enough and you'll move the needle eventually. may not be in the right direction, but you'll get some kind of movement. Transformational marketing is really about how you engage that client or that customer to bring him into your story, make him part of what you do, make him an advocate for what you do. Rob is, I can speak for Rob, correct me if I'm wrong, but I know he thinks this way. He's a believer in that kind of marketing approach. And when you look at the model that we apply, the 3S model around the story, the strategy, and the systems is the way to get at how you create this transformational marketing experience and understanding of customer. And you, and you take the test that we apply, which is simplicity, clarity, and alignment. Do you pass it or do you not? I know from working with Rob uh, over the past few years that when he came in as the CMO, uh, CEB had, had grown both organically and through acquisition and so you had a lot of different silos within the organization that were telling a story in the way that they understood it. So, so we would often joke around the simplicity, clarity, and alignment piece. Like, so how's that really working out, right? And so one of the things that he has, has 
ex- done exceptionally well is is taken this model worked with us in part, but really he's been driving this uh, and and just used it to transform marketing inside a billion dollar company. That's hard. So Rob, I've, I've been on a little bit of that journey with you, but walk me through that. You you had to you had to do a lot of heavy lifting and then a lot of a transformation of your own inside a company that had grown both organically and through acquisition and had its own sort of methodology and its way of thinking about marketing. Just give me some of the experiences and insights you yeah, learned. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it certainly has been a journey. It's a journey that we're continuing to be on. It's, um, I would say, you know, it certainly isn't something that I did single-handedly. It required the, the entire team to actually come along and, and really um, be galvanized around this, this common goal. And, and certainly working with folks like yourself and, and lots of um, other partners, it, it takes a village to do a transformation. Um, that said, I think it's, it started with us taking a clear eye view around what our starting point is, right? And it's a little bit of what I talked about, sort of how we work with um, a lot of our, our members and our customers uh, going through and thinking about where are we from a functional maturity standpoint. I actually applied some of our own capabilities and tools in um, doing that initial diagnosis. And it was interesting to to note that because of the rapid growth that we had gone through over the years, because some of the organic stuff, um, there was some opportunity for us to apply some of our own best practices. Um, and there was some opportunity for us to actually just really establish a, a stronger foundation of what the the marketing function could and should be um so that that's maybe and, that's a yeah and in in the marketing function in the context of what the overall ceb story is that really draws and engages people because i think one of the challenges that i know you faced is a client or a customer will define ceb by its own personal point of contact or its last point of reference, which there are many. Sure. But the reality is there's an entirety to the story. There's a holistic approach to the story. And it's not simply about the products, meaning the services or the research that you sell. It's how you are engaging with a client that, that, that quite literally raises their own level of understanding and effectiveness. That's a different, that's, that's very different than selling a pure product. That's right. And I think uh, having watched you do this and, and having been fortunate enough to have our, our team be, be part of it, we applied this same methodology under under your guidance around transformational marketing, even to product marketing, where you know typically product marketing or services marketing is you know you have a product or service, you just go tell the story about that product or service and why you know it's it's in tech world, it speeds and feeds and bits and bytes and cheaper and better and faster, all that stuff, right? But along the way, you lose the why we're doing this right. mm-hmm. and then what it is we're then doing and how we deliver it. And I I watched you take that approach. But that wasn't easy. And, and so, so tell me, I know you had to transform the organization. Give me some of the insights and, and, and experiences around things that worked and things you had to change and things that, you, that, are still, you know, that, that were in our challenges as you went through this transformation. Yeah, I, I think the, the, the first step for us was really establishing a foundational framework of how the system, the marketing system, the marketing model was going to work. Right. The analogy I like to make is, you know, it, it just in the same way that your house is made up of many systems, um, an organization, a, a corporation is made up of newer systems. And marketing is one of those critical systems that need to actually be in place. The, the plumbing has to be there. And so a lot of what I d- did in the initial phase was to ensure that we had those capabilities. There, it's um, using the sports analogy. You have your offense and your defense and your special teams, and they all have to actually work in concert with each other for you to actually um, be effective, right? And once you have that scheme in place, then the plays that you run start to take different 
import different meaning. And that's a lot of what we actually started to do, which was first get the foundation in place. Then we can get to the point of, um, you know, in a B2B context, um, I actually really uh, am a believer that marketing done right is a line function. Um, it's as much a line function in B2C as it is in um, B2B. Um, oftentimes people will think of it in more in that context in B2C settings, but in B2B, it can be a line function. But in order for it to be a line function, you have to be clear about the objectives of what you're trying to accomplish. Um, in our world, it was very simply about elevating the brand, right? We need to elevate the brand and make sure that there's a clear storyline as to what the the brand experience is and what the value proposition of all of our collective capabilities really are. The second is around really generating leads, which directly impact the flow of the business, right? It's, you know, leads translate ultimately into into closed deals, which um, drives top line and bottom line for a a B2B organization. That's an important part. Um, And the third being enabling sales success, right? Differently than B2C, in B2B marketing, um, uh, sales is sales, marketing enables sales. In B2C, sometimes marketing is sales, right? Because you're, you're directly engaging mm-hmm. with consumers and so forth. So getting the framework in place and the core underlying structure and foundation in place and having that system starting to work enable us to deliver on those three big areas of objectives, which is what marketing is actually able to impact. Um, and that's how we actually shifted ourselves from a less mature place to being one that actually is a much more of a, a mature marketing organization that, that really performs as a line function within, within CEB. When you, when you talk about the information that you have, it might lead to the need to adapt culture, for example, within sure. an organization. If you identify some processes, does your group, in in terms of the marketing folks, do you get involved in that internal sale, if you will, or marketing element where you're trying to adjust a culture once it gets identified? We may have to change some processes a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're uh, uh, quite a bit actually, CW, because you know one of the things that I that that I often tell my team is, you know, the brand is not a very impersonal thing. You know, at the end of the day, if you um, imagine a brand as a person, there's a way that the person will speak, the person will act, the person will look. If you take that to the extreme, if you think about it, at the end of the day, your brand experience, particularly in B2B context, comes down to the interactions that your customers and the market has with your employees, the humans, right? right? Mm -hmm. That's actually the the actual manifestation of the, the personal experience with the brand. And so to do that, you have to affect some cultural change, right? You have to affect cultural change. So some of the things around... Um, historical maybe biases that we had to actually shift a little bit is even something as simple as simplicity, right? A lot of what we sell is best practice research insights. And if you think about that, that oftentimes is a highly intellectual pursuit, right? It's IP. It's an intellectual property that's, you know, very well researched, very rigorous, lots of great methodology, but it's also easy for the the product to be um, overly complicated when communicated. So put another way, the product that we sell oftentimes is basically words, right? And But the words of research, the product, and the words to market that product are different words, right? And so we needed to actually go through a transformation of how we thought about how we articulated our value proposition 
in a way that prioritize clarity over accuracy, mm-hmm. right? Not yeah. to be we inaccurate. To we need to understand. That's right. You don't need, I'm not saying to be inaccurate, but right. I, I would I choose you. 100% clarity and 75% accuracy over 100% accuracy and 75% clarity, right? Because and they may not be able to tell the story of that, what they that's understand. Right. That's right. What you want to do is you want to lead people gradually to understanding, greater understanding of what is that you offer and how you can help them. And so uh, it starts with a, a, an ability to articulate things with simplicity. And simplicity is a really important thing. And marketing, um, in marketing, at a very basic level, is about amplification of messages, right? And if you you can choose to either amplify simplicity or you amplify complexity. And if you don't choose, it's usually the default is complexity. Yeah, and then, and, and just to, to add to that, that's, that's a choice. It's not as if you cannot choose and land somewhere safely in the middle. If you are not deliberately choosing simplicity and clarity and alignment around how you deliver that, then by default, you are going to be choosing complexity and, and, and even dysfunction in how that message is communicated. And I, I, I would say, and this is actually a compliment to CB. I've joked with Rob about this before. CB is populated with a lot of truly brilliant people. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a, it's a smart organization. Yes. And, and when you want to go into a meeting there, because everybody wants to be the smartest guy in the room, <laughs> you got to fight hard to be that guy. In you know, in, in the CB context, like many organizations that have that that depth of knowledge and skill, they have what this is not my phrase, but I like it. A friend of mine calls the curse of knowledge, which is. They know so much about their topic and their subject matter, and in some cases, it helps to create it, that they feel compelled. This is not unique to CBA, but it's true of many organizations like this. They feel compelled to tell you everything they can possibly tell you about this. And that's accurate, to Rob's point. That's accurate. But for the mere mortals who have to be the buying customer, Mm -hmm. the simplicity and clarity are, are struggling to get through because they're so overwhelmed by just the, the the depth and the volume that's coming at, at them, that it makes the engagement, the transformation of a customer to somebody who wants to engage, it makes that very difficult. And I know you've been, for three years, you've fought this fight and done an outstanding job of doing it, but it, it's been it's been interesting to see because we would, we would have these sessions where you, you'd have these whiteboards that look like the scene from The Beautiful Mind, right? Numbers everywhere, and like only one guy in the room can understand it. And, he, and when he explains it, you sort of get it. It's like, okay, well, how do you deliver that? Because really, if you take the CB offering, what they're doing is transforming how a company operates by virtue of the knowledge and the products that they're delivering. Well, if you can't get that into the head of the customer, clearly, he's just saying, you know, this is just, I, I, I get your brilliance, it's too hard, right? Is that a fair that's statement, right. Rob? Yeah, yeah, I think that's very accurate. And, and, and so that's, and that's, that's not, CB has this because, because it is indeed a smart, a smart organization, but this is true in, just across the board for mm-hmm. marketing. It's kind of at the heart of, of of transformational marketing is truly finding a way to engage so that somebody not only understands your story but wants your story to be part of of their life because of the impact that that you can make. So how do you bridge that that gap between the 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 information and its details because obviously those are important at some level but for the right audience as you're talking yeah. about if in in terms of being able to help me understand I don't necessarily, just because I don't understand all of that, I, I still need to kind of grok with what you're trying yeah. to drive home for me. How do you make that happen? Yeah, I'll give you my take and then, then let Rob answer sure. that. So, so from, from what, I, what I say to, to clients and, and, and partners around this, it's, it's not about 
the how the product or service does what it does initially. Mm-hmm. It's about the impact that it makes. Okay. And so have the conversation around the impact. Get a customer or client to understand the impact, what difference this makes to them in their professional or personal life. When you then engage them, that's a version of the six-second story. I give them a reason to care before they are willing mm-hmm. to listen. When you engage them like that, then you will have the opportunity once you're engaged to go through all the things you want to do about how that actually works. But tell them a story about this is the difference it can make for you. Forget how it works for a second. Mm-hmm. This is the difference it makes for you. That, that's how I would. Yeah, I, and I, I would also add, I, I think um, context is very important. Right. If you're thinking about how do you balance accuracy and clarity, the context by which you're having that conversation and the, the, the mindset of the person that you're communicating to is incredibly important. So a couple of different examples of this. One is just um, fundamentally important to be outside in. Right, it's not what you want to tell that other person. It's actually what they're trying to actually learn and, and uncover. You know, we're trying to start from the standpoint of who is it that we're trying to help. It's an HR executive. That HR executive has a set of problems. Um, what's the job that they're hiring us to help them do? Right, right. And starting from the lens of kind of you know understanding it from that outside in perspective is 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 really uh, critical. Uh, there's another aspect of the context is also understanding like what do they already believe about you and what are the things that they don't actually necessarily are as familiar with with what you're offering right because there is certain uh again take the example of the hr domain there's certain aspects of what we do that's already well accepted as um something that the by and large people believe we can help them on so don't over communicate in those areas talk about the other areas that are actually the the additional capabilities um, not necessarily to sell more product, just other ways to basically help them um, and tell someone something that they don't already know, right? Mm-hmm. And so knowing how to balance it from a contextual standpoint, I think is a really important thing. Did you find that with regards to the companies that are coming to you for the the various analytics and best practices that you're able to uncover, do they typically come from a position of we're, we're having some pain spots. Is that what's making me want to call you? Or is, would you say that equally as often we see someone that's just forward thinking that we just want to make sure that we are truly operating best practices just because that's where uh, we want to be? I, I think it's, it's my, yeah, my absolutely. Question. I think it's a combination. I think usually there's some sort of a catalyst, um, you know, in the sales and marketing area, as an example, one of the, the uh, IP that we're best known for is the challenger sales methodology. Right, and we have actually a series of books on challenger selling, how to be a challenger. So sometimes, as an example, uh, a, a head of sales might come to us and say, "You know, I want to have, uh, I want to sell more." Right, mm-hmm. that's what heads of sales want. Uh, I want to improve sales effectiveness. I want to be a challenger shop, and so they may engage us and say, "That's the specific need," and I want to, uh, I want to engage with you and have you help me with that. Now, there's a different aspect, which is. Uh, and these are not mutually exclusive, uh, mutually exclusive. They may say, I have a specific need you can help me with, but at the same time, I know you have a whole bunch of other capabilities around mm-hmm. sales and marketing. You can help me have um, better messages. Um, you can help me actually drive more effective campaigns. Maybe there are ways for you to help me think about how I may even want to actually utilize marketing automation tools and new technologies that are available today for me to go and um build my uh, my pipeline of leads. Um, in that spectrum, 
there's a lot of things that we can help them with. And so that's usually how the conversation starts. The, the other thing I would add about context that's really important too is I think oftentimes in B2B uh, uh, situations, people overly emphasize the business value, right? So we, we talk a lot about sort of the, the just sort of the hard quantifiable business value. But at the end of the day, even in B2B context, you're selling to a human being. Mm-hmm. And there's often a lot of personal value that's wrapped into how they're thinking about the products and services that you're selling to them, right? In our example, in, in an executive, even, even at a senior level, um, when they're able to actually run their function better, it has actually a material personal value impact. Um, at a very basic level, there's greater degree of personal satisfaction in being able to do your job more effectively. Sure. But at a very, um, uh, at, 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 in numerous cases, it could actually help you be promoted. It actually, you know, expands your ability to actually be effective in your organization and add impact. So there's a tremendous amount of personal value also involved. And so some, you know, some of the things that we've tried to do in getting the message clear is also knowing when you actually can be in a precise manner speaking to both personal and business value. Because that's that's important in 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 for for everyone. And sometimes that gets lost in the midst of the, the conversation. It's all focused around the 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 bits and bytes and the the quantifiable numbers and so forth. Yeah, and I think to, to add to add to that as well, one thing that Rob and his team have done, I think, very very well is 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 they've understood and implemented uh, marketing as a discipline in the organization that helps CEB come alongside their customers and clients as a guide or a Sherpa, right on the on their on their own journey. So so in that using that you know story metaphor. They're not trying to be the hero of their own story. The client or the customer is the hero of the story, and they are the guy that's helping them navigate through this. In a former life, when I was a CMO of a large tech company, I was actually one of their clients. And so I experienced it at that from that standpoint. Little did I know that they, they would be a client later in, in, in my life. But for me, as, as, as a CMO back then, it was very much that. It was their best practices. They were, a, they were an additional guide as I was navigating a complicated world of marketing inside of a technology organization. That's... That's a great place to be when your customer or client thinks of you as their own Sherpa, if you will, as their own guide along the way. And I think it's important to maintain that focus because if you don't, then you fall back into the trap where really it is all about us and we just we make great products, services, have great research time, and we're selling it and you, the customer, should be happy to be part of it. But that flips it exactly on its head. And I think Rob's done a, a tremendous job at keeping that discipline and that focus with customer first, which is honestly, that's that the hallmark of all great marketing. If it's not about the customer first, then you, at some point you're in trouble. Mm-hmm. We, we actually built a, a great little campaign around that. We call it career moments, right? So essentially um, really memorializing and celebrating those moments when you're presenting to a board, when you're actually having an important sales meeting or launching a new product. Those are the moments where actually best practice insights and the knowledge and capabilities that we're bringing to help executives actually come to life, right? Because those are the moments where they're actually applying those and they're benis- they're seeing the benefits of it from a, at a personal level. How would you ha- help me with that? When when you say I don't know, memorializing that that moment, how how do you mean? Uh, what, what I mean is, uh, we we literally have um, you know a series of print or digital ads that actually show the, the an executive at that moment, career moments. Literally, it, the moment could be they are there presenting in front of a board. That's an important moment for them. Right, course, yeah. uh, and and at that moment, those are the places where 
we want them to understand that we're there with them and we're there to help them. That's that's actually what our our calling is in in our offering and our value proposition. Right. And and that's nothing can be more clear than that. You could go through and explain reams and reams of data about all the research we have and all of that. That's a little bit of my point around the clarity versus the the accuracy. It's not inaccurate. Uh, we're we're literally talking about a very important moment. But in that moment, y- you get you understand the totality of what we could be doing to help you without having to explain every little bit of it. Right. That's a little bit of the creativity of marketing um, applied in the B two B context. Got you. So Rob, when you when you think about the organization and how it's grown and its global uh, footprint, what are some of the challenges you faced and what did you do? Because I know I've watched you, right? You had to navigate a complicated global organization. Give us a, a, a window into what that looked like as you were reshaping marketing uh, around the world and looking for shadow marketing and silos and kind of bringing sure. it all under one. <laughs> sure. I, I think the you know the first thing is just... Um, really making sure you have clarity of what it is that you're trying to accomplish, right? Not to do too many things, but being really just relentlessly focused on the few things that really matter. Like I said earlier, elevating the brand, driving leads, enabling sales, making sure that everything maps back to that was really important. And also to your point around in the beginning, when we first started this journey, there were pieces and parts of that that was done in other parts of the organization. Maybe sometimes in sales, sometimes in product, maybe even in you know other parts of the the organization that you wouldn't even expect. What we had to do is say, look, if you're doing a like thing, then let's make sure that we are consolidating those capabilities. We're getting greater efficiency for the organization because, look, the fact of the matter is, um, you know, organizations have to actually um, scale to be effective. And part of scale is being able to scale in an efficient way, yes. right? You can't have highly fragmented efforts where I'll give you a really good example of this. You know, we have very similar offerings for every functional area, right? Um, and so you can, in theory, be doing the same thing 50 different ways, 50 different versions of the same thing and have pockets of people do that. One of those uh, examples, we actually had a little bit of this happen here and there is um, if you're doing search marketing, buying keywords, you can end up actually having multiple groups that sell to the same buyer, HR executive, um, different products. And if the marketing is being done by the different product people on the side, you could inadvertently end up competing against yourself for the same keywords. <laughs> right? Right. That's not that's yeah. not um, out, out of the the realm of possibility. And actually, in fact, are cases where we've seen that. So. Part of this is just understanding what are the things that you want to accomplish and you want to accomplish at scale, consolidating your resources so that as an organization, you're doing it in a concerted manner. And that mm-hmm. we actually did that. Um, uh, and really, this year was a year where we ramped up a lot of our search digital presence in a significant way. And part of that was because we have such a, the good news is we have a breadth of things that we could be known for um, and and are known for today. But at the same time, the important thing in being able to be effective in, in the digital realm is if you have limited dollars and limited uh, discretionary effort, you have to actually choose the things that you most care about being known for first, right? And we did a little bit of that exercise to say, look, rather than compete against ourselves in a whole bunch of different areas or even 
um, indirectly competing our, ourselves by highly fragmenting our resourcing across a hundred different areas. We're going to pick a limited subset of areas where we want to be really meaningful, and we want to make sure that our SEO efforts, you know, creating the right content, seeding um, uh, the the world with with a lot of the information that we believe we can help people with as they're searching for it, um, or buying keywords we're focusing um, on those things. And the top right folks helped us a little bit on that. And it's been a, it's been a good, good partnership. Let me ask you a question organizationally, Rob, for those that, that are listening that are going through similar challenges. You come in as the CMO to an organization, see anything, right? But in your case, it's a CMO. And it's an organization that has uh, different groups potentially doing shadow functions or the same function sure. or like functions. Sure. Even if on paper, you have the authority to say, I'm the CMO, all marketing reports to me. You can do that. It doesn't work if you just only do that, right? Because then it's perceived like a land grab. How do you drive change management and how did you drive change management specifically inside an organization that is used to and, and, and arguably successfully has done things in a particular way under a completely different model? Yeah, I mean, it, it absolutely, to your point, doesn't happen in that declarative kind of way, right? No, no, no one's able to, to, to generally do that. Most corporations are very matrix. There's, you know, what I come back to is, it's about really being aligned as a management team around what is it that you're trying to accomplish, right? So across the the leadership table, everyone at the leadership table um, is focused around growth and figuring out how to scale the organization. And so if the orientation of the conversation is not about, let me take those three people that may be doing some semblance of the work that may, uh, may be construed as marketing in my mind and forcing them to come over, it, and rather, it's about let's talk about how we can actually um, leverage the capabilities and skill sets that marketing can bring to help drive growth. It's a different conversation. And as a, as a by the way thing, you'll find that there's a natural alignment of certain people that may fit better in one one place or another once you have a clear strategy. In other words, one of my core principles around this is the work drives the org. Okay, figure out the work and the org will follow as opposed to starting off with the, the org and then trying to fit work around it, right? Yeah. So once we articulated what the work is that we wanted to do, what the vision is that I, uh, I brought to the table in terms of what marketing can do to elevate our um, capabilities in numerous areas, then we figure out all the tertiary yeah. org questions. And it's not always one-way street in. Sometimes there are people that are marking that ought to go to other places, right? Yeah. It's the, the same in, in how I would interact with my peers and how we partner. Right, right. So that's a key, right? Building partnerships with the peers over yeah. common objectives. That's right. Very different from just on a whiteboard saying, I own marketing, thanks. That's right. <laughs> that's right. That would be a two-second conversation. Yeah, it would be very short. <laughs> uh, yeah, very short. And 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 when And I've seen that attempted right and it tends to lead to all kinds of passive aggressive behaviors like okay i get that he can say that on a whiteboard but there's no way that's happening right and and it's and it's challenging to navigate through it and you have to do it based on that shared definition of success what success looks like for you right. and your peers on the executive staff yeah so how you you spend a lot of time and i know just given your schedule and and, and cb's office a lot of globe trotting in the process and busyness how do you stay fresh how do you how do you draw constant learning best practices information when you're not Busy flying to Delhi or Beijing? Yeah, I, I actually I consume a lot of um, I consume a lot of our own research. That's this one. We do uh, no shortage of things that I can read about every single day in the marketing domain. That's that's one. 
Um, but I, but I also generally try to really stay current about what is happening out in the market overall. There there will be um, events and conferences that I will go to with you know peer groups. The the web is a great vehicle, and I have all kinds of feeds of, of things that I get um, in different areas. And and I would say you know sort of the the one of the things that I'm, I'm fortunate to have uh, been part of a number of organizations that I over my career that I consider category disruptors. Um, I've learned a lot through those experiences in those different companies, and I've through that have also uh, met a lot of people that I still am very good friends with and keep in contact with who are my peers and colleagues and, 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 and former mentors who I would reach out to for um, advice on different things. And that's always helpful. You need any anyone, I think, be in an executive level or you're just starting on your career, I think need an ecosystem around you, whether it be just the the things that you consume, the sources of information, or people that you can actually surround yourself with and partners um, like you all who actually can be helpful in different ways. That's all important part of that ecosystem that you want to build for yourself. Excellent. When it comes to the notion of being a disruptor versus just um, we're a company, we're just going to be the best in the space. Yeah. How do you see the message being different? Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Such that you can actually convey why we're doing it differently. Yeah. You you know, I'm a big believer in category disruptors. And and when I say category disruptors, I'll define that a little bit, which is they're they're either companies that have actually created categories or they're changing the way that category um, is defined. So in in the early uh, days of my career, I was in enterprise software. I was a Silicon Valley guy for about a decade. Um, I was uh, part of Siebel, which created a CRM. And then I was part of Salesforce, which mm-hmm. actually reinvented CRM, right? In both senses, that was actually very disruptive. One created it, the other disrupted it. Um, I was part of payments um, uh, in a second uh, chapter uh, for nearly 10 years across two other companies. Visa was one of them, and First Data, locally here in Atlanta, was another one, Right. They're category disruptors in their own right across a, a numerous areas in the payment value chain. CB, my current employer, is absolutely a category disruptor, right? As I said earlier, we were actually, in some ways, the pioneer of crowdsourcing. We just didn't call it that, and we didn't even think of it as that. But if you think about it, it's curated crowdsourcing of executive um, best practice insights in every functional area. Because the way we get that is we don't pull it out of thin air we're actually getting best of practice insights from the people who are doing the best practices. We're curating it and making sure that it becomes the, the perennial truths that can impact people of all in, in all countries and all for all products, for all industries. And we in turn offer that and sell that back to the different executives in different functions. That's a category disruptor. As we've started to add on technologies that complement what we do. In, so, in those areas, as I said earlier, in the, in the area of HR, adding talent management technologies that augment what we do in HR best practice insights allows you to take insight to action. That's a category disrupting thing, right? And so I think the, 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 I, I naturally over my career have gravitated to that. I, I, I'm a big believer in that. And to your point, how you market that is, is, is certainly something that's very different, right? What you want to do is you want to actually, there's an element of the category disrupting thing that you have to actually create the category. Yes. There's a category creation message, and then you market yourself in the context of that, right? So, so there's, it's a bit of a two-part message. It's a little bit more 
um, challenging than if you were in an established category um, and just selling something that's been there right. for a long time. Yeah, yeah. I, I would imagine that that that's part of the challenge is to try to get your customer to buy into why you're doing it different. Why are we going a different direction than the herd is going? That's right. That's right. And and that by by its very nature is more transformational, uh, high impact than maybe something that's a little more incremental and evolutionary, right? Mm-hmm. Like very early in my career, I was actually a brand manager at Clorox. I sold bleach. I was a uh, brand manager for bleach. Bleach is, it's great. It's a category that's been around for a long time. It's highly incremental in what you're marketing because you know, you're adding, obviously it whitens, but it also disinfects, right? So you're talking about different benefits and you're highlighting things that incrementally interested along. What we're talking about here with the category disruptive type things is you you have to transform the way people are approaching things, but you have to be, con- uh, again, context is important. You have to be contextually relevant in making sure that you're solving a problem that they actually want to hire someone to go solve, right? You're actually, mm-hmm. or put in other words, it, it's it's a job that needs to be done and they need to hire someone to do that job, mm-hmm. right? And you might have a very breakthrough way to do it. CRM in the early days, it's not about CRM. It's about sales effectiveness, mm-hmm. right? The core of CRM is about sales automation. Sales automation is to help you sell more, mm-hmm. right? So the transformational aspects is to figure out how do you actually help people understand that through the application of technology and better um, process you can actually sell more stuff. Yeah, it's not just a phone book. It's not just a phone book. It's not just a bunch of contacts that you're managing right. in a you know a digital Rolodex. That's right. I know that we've had you here for almost an hour. It always amazes me how fast time goes by. Do you have final thoughts before we let you get on with the rest of your afternoon? No, no. I, I think uh, you know. I, I think this has been a great experience. So thank you, CW. I appreciate it. And, and Bill, thank you for for the invitation and the opportunity to to be with you guys. I would just say, look, um, the, the thing I would end by saying is I'm a, I'm a, I think this is a tremendous time for marketing. Um, I think, you know, Bill can test to this. We've been in marketing for 20 plus, you know, and yeah. um, uh, uh, years, and we've seen just the pace of um, change really accelerate over the last couple of years. And it's all very exciting. The, the um, emergence of new capabilities, new technologies, uh, new ways to do things. And, um, and and this is a, a better time uh, than it's ever been for marketing to play a really critical role in impacting an organization um, and to tr- truly, as I said, be a line function, whether it be B2B or B2C. And, you know, it's been a, a great joy for me to be part of this transformation for CEB. Um, and, uh, and as I said, I've had the good fortune and privilege to lead the team, but it's really a team effort. It mm-hmm. takes a village to make it happen. And it's been, it's been a great opportunity for me. Where do folks need to go to get more information? CBglobal.com. All right. If they want to learn more about CB. And Top Right Partners? TopRightPartners.com. Very simple. Make sure you get over there to the blog on Top Right Partners. They're always sharing some excellent information for those who are trying to tell their story in a better way and, and have it reach the folks that they need it to reach. So I highly recommend a number of the articles I've read myself uh, while I was over there, and, and I suggest you check those out. And if you've not done so already, in the upper left-hand corner of the Midtown Business Radio Show page, you'll see the Apple logo there. 
That'll take you over to the iTunes store where the podcast lives. We hope you subscribe to us so you can have that episode downloaded straight to your device when it's convenient for you. You can check it out. And we hope you turn around and share the information, put it out on LinkedIn, put it out on social media sites that you use because you may just be sharing some information with somebody that you care about that makes a big difference for them and their business. So we'll say thanks in advance to all the folks that do that for us. And we appreciate our partnership here with folks within Top Right Partners and uh, all the cool people they've been introducing us to through this series we've been doing. It's been a real pleasure having you in the studio today, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. Well, everybody out there, thanks for your time today. We look forward to catching up with you same time, same place next week. We'll see you then.